Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The sixth edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. This is Carolina Basketball. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Michigan out of timeout. And Weber, front door, Carolina thought he traveled with it. Weber, front door, Carolina with foul. He takes a timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Now gets it away to Donald Williams, down the side to Stackhouse. Stackhouse streaking in on Park, reverse duck, is good, and he gets fouled by Park. Oh my goodness, what a dunk! Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! Felton ready on his second attempt. That one is no good. A battle for it. Loose ball. Recovered Marvin. He scores! 72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Matthews off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. From HeelToughBlog.com, this is the Four Corners Podcast, featuring your host, Josh Marlowe. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. It's been a while since we last talked to you about Carolina basketball because, frankly, there hasn't been a lot of news to talk about in terms of having an individual podcast dedicated to that. But we've got a little bit of info to bring to you guys today. We've got a great show planned for you. Before we get started, though, we are recording on the day of Roy Williams' day at the Wells Fargo Championship in Charlotte, North Carolina. The Wells Fargo Championship honoring the now-retired head coach of the Tar Heels, making Wednesday Roy Williams' day. He played a pro-am with head football coach Mac Brown. Joining him, joining Roy Williams was Will Zalatoris. If anyone is a golf fan or just even a you know casual uh, watcher of golf, Will Zalatoris made a really nice run at the 2021 Masters. Was also compared to Happy Gilmore's caddy um, from the movie Happy Gilmore. Star, uh, that you know, oh, there's no compare. That's that's the kid. Now there's no <laughs> way that's not the kid. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. Forever, that guy will be known as Happy Gilmore's caddy for the rest of his life, um, no matter if he wins a major or two. And Gary Woodland was playing alongside the head football coach of the Tar Heels. And Roy had a, you know, an average day on the golf course. It wasn't like his last last round at Augusta National before he retired. Shot an 84 or 85, which is roughly 13 or 14 over par at the Wells Fargo Championship. But uh, parred four of his last six holes and had some great quotes on the golf course. But just really neat that Wells Fargo Championship did honor him. 
He loves the game of golf. That's one of the things that he's been doing since he's retired. I've seen many pictures of him. I know he was in Arizona a weekend or two weekends ago out there playing golf. So he won't be um, – he, he's still going to be around the golf course and around athletics because, man, the man still loves to compete. But uh, hate we didn't get a chance to get out there to, to watch him tee it up. But I think this will become a staple of things in the North Carolina, especially with the first year of his retirement – finding a way to honor him for what he's done as the basketball coach at Carolina because he's one of the most public figures in this state's history, whether it's athletics or politics or whatever. Everyone has an idea of who Roy Williams is. But, uh, you know, now we can get into some more of the, the, the big stuff that we got to talk about today, and that's the, the biggest piece of news Carolina's gotten since they named Hubert Davis the head coach of the Tar Heels back early in April, and that's – that Armando Baycott is coming back for the next season. Hubert Davis pretty much said that on an interview with John Rothstein's, um, John Rothstein's podcast, pretty much confirming that Armando Baycott not only is coming back to Carolina, he is going to go ahead and withdraw from his process of going through the NBA draft to solidify this decision. I thought that was kind of interesting because I would still think, well, maybe, hey, Mondo, you you know, you, you go through the process, you work out for some teams, you do some interviews, but I think Armando knows that pretty much he knows what he's got to do to work on his game, um, and we can dive on that here in just a second. And he's coming back for Carolina, and, and – we all know that's really big. He led this team in scoring. He led this team in rebounding this past season. There's not that that the same amount of depth in the front court as there was a year ago because Walker Kessler, Sterling Manley, Sterling Manley, and Walker Miller, they all and Garrison Brooks, they all transferred out of the program. Dayron Sharp is off to the NBA. So there's going to be a lot of the offense now running through Armando Baycott, where last year, even though he led the team in scoring, you would run the offense at times through Garrison Brooks. Dayron Sharp at times, you could run offense through. The end of the season, especially after that Florida State game, Walker Miller was a guy that could demand the basketball because he was seven foot one and had a mismatch inside. Walker Kessler. Yeah, Walker Kessler can do that. <laughs> I was about to uh, say. And Walker we got, Miller, we got Walker Walker Miller could do some things. He just never got the chance to. But all those guys are gone. He did on senior night, though. Um, and and so now, I mean, not, you know, now minutes are opened up. Now the floor is going to open up for Armando Baycott. We're hoping with some of the moves that Hubert Davis has made to this roster. On another note, um, with him coming back, Carolina also returns their top two scorers uh, from last season. That's the first time they've done so since the 2015 16 season when they returned Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson. That team, of course, made the national title game before losing in heartbreaking fashion to Villanova. Not saying this you team. You could have just stopped and made not, the national championship. Not saying this team's going to make uh -huh. the national championship. Not saying this team's making the Final Four. Uh, you just set those expectations. But I up think there, when bro. you look at the program. And the amount of turnover that this program has gone through, it's, you know, for four years it's been the point guards because this is the first time you're returning a point guard in the, for the, in the last four seasons. But this is now the first time in five seasons that you've returned your top two scores. And we know, and it's not going to change under Hubert Davis, experience matters 
at Carolina in the way that they want to play. And now you're bringing back your top two guys. You feel like your guard play is going to be much more improved because they're much more experienced. And a full season of, uh, you know, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Kerwin Walton playing heavy minutes in the ACC, Anthony Harris coming back from injury, they're all going to be much more experienced and it's going to benefit. But, you know, you're bringing back Armando Baycott, and that's a really big thing for this team because you at least know that you have one guy that you know then that you've seen produce for you. Brady Manick has produced, but that's been at Oklahoma. This team hasn't seen Brady Manick play up close. They don't know what the production – they don't know what they're getting in Brady Manick per se, but they know what they're getting in Armando Baycott. Well, there's going to be a natural adjustment period for Brady Manick. I mean, let's just be honest here. If you don't think that that is going to be a part of him coming to Carolina, you just I mean, look, you just don't know transfers. Even when we saw Cam Johnson when he first came to Carolina, there was an adjustment period. Most people forget about that because he was that good as a senior. Well, the the other thing was as a junior, remember, he, he was you know still coming back from a leg injury. Um, you know, there, there. He he wasn't on the floor as much, so that season I feel like gets forgotten about a little bit because he had that second year. So there's going to be time, uh, you know, a little bit of time here for Brady Manick to adjust. Now there'll be some elements that Brady Manick brings that some of the other guys on your roster weren't going to bring. But yeah, don't get me wrong. This is one of the biggest gets to come back. Um, I, I mean, honestly, probably outside of Caleb Love, this is the biggest one um, because you needed that stability of point guard. But with all the guys that left, as you mentioned, this is huge to have a guy in the middle of your your offense that's going to be able to go to work. He did it at times last year. I think that's going to be one of the big things that they've got to work on with him uh, outside of developing a little bit of a game away from the basket. I think that's still an area where if he does want to be an NBA player, they're going to have to develop that. And they also probably want that in their offense as well. You know, you you have Manic who can step out and notch, knock some shots down. But, I mean, look, you're not expecting Armando to become an outside shooter by any stretch. But you would like to see him at least be able to step away from the basket, hit some mid-range jump shots well, consistently. Hubert Davis disclosed on an interview with Andy Katz, every guy on their roster – as a part of their summer workout program, they have to make a thousand threes a week. Oof, that's oh. so stepping. Yeah. So stepping out and hitting the three point shot, it may not be a a part of Armando Baycott's game, Oof. but it's want to be preferred. Tell me, his, he ain't gonna be getting guarded during his shots <laughs> in, in in his bag. You know, Dude, th- can you imagine if Desmond Hubert was here when he had when he went with this rule in place? That'd be a long week for that, old Desmond. That dude bricked free throws. We can only imagine the amount of three point shots. <laughs> shot, what was it? He shot like twenty five percent from the free throw line in one time. Now, don't get me wrong. Look, this is not a slight to Desmond Hubert. That was just the first name that popped into my head. He brought some some great stuff on the defensive end of the floor. Um, but I, I did want to say this, you know, with with getting Armando back is, I mean, he, you do have to work on him being a more consistent threat for you. He, he's with him being pretty much the main guy, and at this point. Uh, probably the lone big that you've got down there that's going to be a known quantity. Um, you've got to you, you've got to have him consistent, you know, consistently producing. It's got to be there night in and night out. There can't be these stretches of two or three games where he just disappears. Well, I think a lot so, of that. I think and in 
a lot of the reason why I think he didn't have Nitro he produced, if you go back and you break down the film, he just didn't get the ball. And it wasn't the fact that he didn't get, you know, he, he did a really good job last year, I thought, getting position and sealing off his defenders. But when you don't get the ball, well, you can't score without the ball. And I'm not trying to be a smart butt. That's just, no, you, I can, mean, you can't right. do it. But I also think this, and I put this in the article about what he needs to work on in the summer to get better as getting to, in terms of wanting to go to the NBA, but also helping this team. He took a step forward last year, I thought, in getting his body better. But I still think he could be in much better shape. I still think he could run the floor better. I still think he could be a guy that's not going to be tired after playing 28 to 32 minutes. That happened last year, which it shouldn't have because you had a quartet of bigs that you were getting rotated with. So I think that's another thing is that his conditioning level has to increase because, as you mentioned, he's the – I mean, unless you bring in a guy on the recruiting trail or you add another transfer, there aren't going to be – the minutes that you see Brady Manick at the five – you are holding on for dear life, and that's you. That's you playing matchup basketball, dude. I mean, you're, you're playing s- smaller to make the defense adjust to you. That's not right. what you want to be. Like him, foul trouble for him. That's worst case scenario for this team as of right now. Yeah. See, this is the thing. I don't think people realize at this point, e- even with him coming back, and and there's reason to feel encouraged about what this team can possibly do because he's coming back. And you would imagine that. I, I mean, look, he's going to be in better shape this year. Everybody is going to be conditioned better this year. With COVID-19 protocols in place, you weren't able to get your guys as conditioned as you probably I was in the best to. shape of my life. And that's in every sport. I mean, look at do I mean just look at the NBA, MLB. I mean, dude, you got guys going down every other day with season-ending injuries. So, I, I think that he will be better conditioned, but yeah, there people have to still realize that as of right now, you've got Armando Baycott Brady Manick, and your next biggest player on the roster is still Leaky Black. That's yep. your third tallest player. Him and Dontrez Styles are going to be 6'7". That's your roster. So you've I, I, I'm telling you, like you said, foul trouble is going to be important, but that's why it's so important for him to be able to be a consistent threat down there. And I think you're right. I think part of that was because of the rotation of guys that they had. The other part of it is that, look, he, you know, there, there's he's coming back. He's your leading scorer. He was your leading scorer for a reason. The guards, even though you're going to be better, even though you're going to be another year older, you're going to be more experienced, you need to put the ball inside at times and let Armando Baycott go to work. If he's playing well, give him the ball. Don't don't feel like you have to make everything happen from the outside because I mean, look, there are going to be games this upcoming season where you are going to have to do that. In games where Armando Baycott's playing well, take some pressure off yourself. Put that ball inside and let him go to work. And it'll be interesting to see because he's going to be, I mean, look, not only is he going to be the leader of the front court, he's going to be one of the leaders of this team. So that's another area where you want to see him maybe get a little more vocal because I mean, let's be honest. The guys that were supposed to be the senior leaders last year, I mean, they weren't awful, but they were quiet. You need him to be a more vocal presence on the court, and we'll see if Hubert Davis is able to bring that out of them in the offseason. I'm going to piggyback on what you're saying. Carolina is going to be a more guard-driven team, and I think that's the way the game's going, and I think under Hubert Davis they will adapt to that style of play 
much better. But you look at teams that are considered guard-oriented offenses. You look at Baylor, who won a national championship, Arkansas, Alabama. You know, when Duke and Kentucky and Kansas are national title good and they're considered guard-oriented offenses, their guards are still getting to the basket and you're getting the ball to your big men. Could Baylor – shoot the three ball really well and could Arkansas and Alabama hit the three really well yeah but they also have the ability their guards have the ability to break down the defense and get to the basket and feed the ball either to the big man or kick it back out and I think that's what care I, I think we just we got to mention when this seems to be more guard or, oriented it's not perimeter oriented it's not going to be let's stand out behind the three-point line and chunk 20 to 33s that I mean that may happen on, on a couple of nights and Carolina may be more equipped to play that style but it's it's basically this team being able to get to the basket with their guards as opposed to pounding it in the post through their big men. So with his coming back, the roster, Carolina, you know, you never know. They may add another late recruit. They may add another transfer because the transfer portal isn't going to slow down anytime soon. But as of right now, we're led to believe that Carolina's roster heading into next season is pretty much this is where it is, and Hubert Davis will work with it from there. And that's led to the discussion of what's Carolina's best lineup with Leaky or with Armando Baycott back. And I think, I think it's a it's a it's a very interesting discussion because you gotta you, as you mentioned, if you don't play Brady Manick. Your size is not what it's been in the last couple of years, and it's not going to be what it is in the last couple of years anyway, even if you have Manic and Baycott on the floor at the same time. Um, but, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that you can do with this. So the first three that I jotted down in our rundown is Caleb Love, Kerwin Walton, Leaky Black, Brady Manic, Armando Baycott. Then I have Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Kerwin Walton, Brady Manick and Armando Baycott. Then I have Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Kerwin Walton, Leaky Black, and Armando Baycott. And then I have other. So I think, you know, I think the three that I listed are the three most frequent options. And I think they all three provide something that uniquely that Carolina can use to their advantage. And they're going to use the first lineup, Love, Walton, Black, Manic, Baycott. You have a senior in your starting lineup, which I think experience matters. You know, Leaky Black hasn't really been a great player. Senior leadership is important. You also got Brady Manic, who's a senior, but he's a transfer. But that gives Carolina the most size. But I feel like that sign I feel like that's a lineup that you want to play in spots to match up if you're having a hard time competing on the boards. That lineup to me is a lot like this past year's lineup where the uh, the floor is not going to be as open. Maybe just because Brady Manic is a stretch floor, stretch four, but I don't see Carolina being a much more high potent offense. And you have Love, Davis, Walton, Manic, Baycott. That gives you three perimeter players. Manic who can stretch the floor, then Baycott. You got you know, and, and, and to me that's probably my best lineup. I think Leaky Black's role has always been best coming off the bench. If you go back to his freshman season, he was a much better bench player as opposed to what we've seen from him as a starting lineup. Then I have you know Love Davis, Walton Black, and Baycott. Then you have Leaky Black at the stretch four that brings Brady Manic off the bench. I. I think that's a line that you can utilize, but I think that second lineup is Carolina's best lineup on May 5th for next season. Yeah, that would be <coughs> excuse me. That would be my starting lineup today. Uh for sure. I think that uh, as you mentioned, you got three guards that 
you hope are going to be able to shoot the ball well for you. Kerwin Walton did a year ago. Uh, you saw some signs of that from R.J. Davis and Caleb Love. And the other thing about those guys is those are probably the guys that you think are going to take the biggest steps forward amongst the guards. And they're the guys that are going to be able to drive the basket the best out of the group that's there. Um, I think, you know, the other lineup that's not on here that I think will get a lot of run will be Caleb Love, Anthony Harris, Leaky Black, Brady Manick, and Armando Baycott. Because you've got two guys on your perimeter. That's your best defensive lineup. And that's the thing. You're going to see more of Anthony Harris this year. There's still going to be a team that, as we talked about before last season, they're not going to be a team that is probably going to be one of the highest scoring teams in the country. We just That's not something that's probably in the cards for them yet. They're going to have to build back up to being in that position to score the ball at will. So you're going to have to have nights where you can shut some teams down defensively. And that is probably the lineup that you will see a pretty good amount of to try to take away some of those better uh, scoring options that are still around in, in the ACC. Believe it or not, Buddy Beheim is still back next year. Um, you know, you, you are going to have uh, you know some some teams that you would expect to get better from this past year, like Duke. They've got a lot of talent coming in. Yeah. They're going to have guys that can score the ball. So those are the types of teams that you're going to need that lineup against. But yeah, I would definitely say if you're looking at what the best lineup is, the one that that you think is going to be the most successful, it's probably going to be the Love, Davis, Walton, and Manic and Baycott um, grouping. I think the biggest thing for that group is you want to see what the guys, what the guards look like defensively. Because if so, that's a group that you could probably look at consistently, night in and night out, in game, you know, in most games being, you know, plus five, plus ten when on the floor. And that's what you're hoping for. You know, the defensive end of the floor, I think, and I'm guilty of this because I love offensive basketball. Carolina's going to look a lot different, I believe, on the defensive end of the court. Under Roy Williams, this has been a team or a program that plays three-quarter man-to-man defense. Half court man to man defense. They don't. They don't full court press. They don't. They don't play zone. They don't do anything. Well, Hubert Davis played for Dean Smith, who played zone, who played full court defense, who played half court defense. I think Carolina's traps will be a lot better. You look at everyone he's put on his staff. They all come from a coaching tree where they played for a coach that played multiple defenses, multiple possessions. So I do think Carolina will play matchup defense at times this season, and I think they're equipped to. Leaky Black has not gotten you. They've not, they've not gotten the most out of his defensive ability, in my opinion. But and and that's that's part of the way that Carolina has played under Roy Williams. You also haven't gotten the best yet out of Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, and Anthony Harris. I may be wrong, and I may be biased. I think those three guys can impact the game on the defensive end as well as any guard that we've seen come through Carolina's program in the last 10 years. They have, they're aggressive. When Everything about R.J. Davis being a, being a New York guard, he is. He's tough. He's scrappy. He's not willing to, you know, he's willing to risk his body and get a little dirty. Anthony Harris, his quickness, and the Caleb Love, just his length. So I do think you're going to see Carolina – play with some more defensive-oriented matchups, but only when they feel like they need to. I, 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 I don't think, as you mentioned, I don't think Carolina's going to lead the team in scoring or lead the country in scoring this season, but I do think that they're still going to run. 
They still want to get 80 a night because they get the games to the 80s. They feel more comfortable in winning. They're just going to try to get there in a different way. But I, I think the best thing about this is does Carolina have the depth they've, they've had the last couple of years? No, they don't. But they still have enough talent to play some different lineups that are going to cause problems in the ACC, which is really good for Hubert Davis as he adjusts to being the head coach. It's not like he's taken over a program that is short on talent. They may be short on depth, but they even got – they have what most teams consider depth. We've been spoiled by thinking you could play 10 or 11 deep. That's not usually the case at anywhere in college basketball, let alone at a blue blood like North Carolina. So now you're getting back to playing with just eight or nine. That's how most teams play. Um, and so I do think it'll be a, 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 an adjustment period, but the talent will make it easier. I mentioned the well, staff. Re- real quick, I think the concern is more with the fact, not that you don't have the depth, that the depth is not spread out. You have a deep backcourt, yeah. and the front court is very thin. That's where more of the concern is. But I think, like you said, they will. I would be stunned if they do not land somebody on the recruiting trail or pull someone out of the transfer portal to add to that front court. It's just, I know they're going to be a team that's going to be going to play smaller. They're going to want to stretch the floor. They are, they, they I would be stunned if they do not add somebody yeah, with a little bit of size down there. You can't survive a 20-game ACC schedule with two bigs. They are not, not, not competitively. They are not going to just all of a sudden say, well, we're going to go smaller. We're going to stretch the floor more. We're completely abandoning what Roy Williams and his staff did here, probably best, which was pound the glass. That's not going to happen. They're still going to want to be one of the best rebounding teams in the country. you got to be because it's the most – outside of making shots. Right. Rebounding is the most important aspect of the game. And you can get your guards to rebound. Trust me. There are your guards are going to have Leaky Black is going to have to be a better rebounder. Dontrez Styles is going to have to prove he can rebound. You're going to have to have Puff Johnson show that he can do something on the glass. But they should you, bring in Kenny Williams and show him a seminar of guards that can get to the glass. Cole Anthony comes in, teaches the uh the the point guards and shooting guards how to rebound. Because because Carolina can do a lot of things better or a lot of things different under Hubert Davis that might be better. If they can't rebound competently and be a top 10 to 15 rebound, I don't think this team's going to lead the country in rebounding. I mean, maybe they will, and if they do, that's just a I don't of, think this year. I mean, that, that would that's be just amazing. a testament to the, the coaching staff. But if, if they're not a top 10 to 15 rebounding team, this team's not going to compete to win an ACC or a national championship. Right. Because it's still the most important aspect of the game of basketball outside of making shots. Yeah, they're going to add somebody. It's just a matter of where does it wh- where does that person come from and, you know, if, if it's if it's added they're off the recruiting trail, how quickly can they get acclimated? Yeah. I mentioned that the the staff and we we talked about on the last podcast, but he has since added to his staff and in my opinion outside of the guys that he retained, I think he made his best hire. Bringing in Pat Sullivan, a former teammate of his back from the late 80s and early 90s. Sullivan was actually the first Tar Heel player since 1969 to appear in three Final Fours. He was the guy at the foul line that missed the free throw that led to the infamous Chris Webber timeout that you hear in the intro and then is one one of Woody Durham's best calls and ultimately led Dean Smith to his second national championship as the Tar Heels head coach. After his playing career was over, immediately got into the coaching side of the game of basketball, was on Dean Smith's final staffs and Bill Guthridge's uh, 
staff before heading off to he went to UNCW and then he spent the last 18 years in the NBA. And I thought it was funny if you go back and you listen to to Hubert Davis talk about well he played in the NBA and he made that well known in his in his press conference. He retired in the middle 2000s. The NBA then isn't the NBA that it is now. Spacing and and stuff like that was still important, but not to the level of where the game is now. And because yeah, he didn't that, have Steph Curry, because Steph Curry hadn't hadn't come into the NBA and completely changed the game of basketball. So you're bringing in a guy who Pat Sullivan who's been in the NBA since 2003. He's been with great head coaches like Larry Brown. Um, he's you know been he's now leaving the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I know a lot of people were complaining about why would you hire a guy from the Timberwolves because they're the worst team in the league. They may have the worst record in the NBA, but they got one of the best young talents in Anthony Edwards, and his uh, development over the season has been really important. It's been very it's it's it, you could see it happening on the court, um, and you know so he's been in a lot of places where he's had some young talent and he's been able to work with it. And I think I think this is the best hire because he he will be his best outside of himself the best guy to sell them on the the recruiting the, the recruits on the NBA because he's been in the NBA for the last eighteen years he knows the landscape at the NBA he brings in connections to guys at the professional level of basketball um, and look Carolina if you're if you're wanting to change the way you're wanting to play. All signs lean to a more modern style, which is, of course, what you see in 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 the NBA. And he's been in the NBA game for the last 18 years. He was there as the game evolved. Carolina's about to evolve. He'll be able to help you kind of ease through it, oversee, suggest some things that work, some things that don't work. And, uh, I mean, a lot of people weren't excited about this guy. And, I mean, look, I never got to see him play. I was I was not born yet, and I mean he was on a Knicks staff or a Knicks team that I refused to watch because they were not very good. But this is a great addition to a, to the staff. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant because uh, James Dolan was still the owner. I was going to say that too, but, but they're, uh, they're they're not good because of James Dolan. Hey, that, hey that's all right. He's uh, he's now focusing on ruining his hockey team, and uh, I'm sitting back and enjoying that as a Rangers fan. But that's something that that's a different podcast. Um, I, I mean, look, I, I liked it uh, as well. Um, the 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 mindset of oh you know this isn't really a great hire. Are we shocked by that? Uh, is there is there a great hire out there? I think at this point you could hire Phil Jackson to work on this staff, and people would be like, well, you know, but he's it's a little too old. Um, Not a Carolina know? guy, dude. The last time that he was you know in the NBA, he was with the Knicks. I mean, just a disaster. Can't I mean, coach without Tex Winter. You know, he couldn't win the NBA title when Michael Jordan went to uh, went to play baseball for the White Sox. I mean, what a failure. Like, at this point, you could literally hire Jesus Christ and he would probably they would find something wrong with, with the hire. I mean, it's really gotten to the point now where there is just so much criticism when it comes to every hire that you make. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Like, what at this point, what are you wanting? This is a good hire. This is a guy that, as you mentioned, he's been in the NBA. He's been there for a long time. He's been successful. I mean, look, the guy keeps getting jobs. If he was that bad at his job, he wouldn't have a job. Yeah. And you want to talk about, well, you know, he didn't really have all that much success in Minnesota. That team's 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. That's an extremely young team that is starting to get their their stuff together. That team no longer lasts in the Western Conference. That's actually Houston, mm. who has been 
and god-awful. And uh, Oklahoma City is only a game ahead of them uh, in the win column. So this is a, my point is, is it's a team that you're seeing some of their young pieces evolve, and you have to give him some credit for that. There is going to be a, a portion of the guys on this recruiting trail that are going to look at him and say, look, this guy has gotten it done in the NBA. He's going to be able to coach me up the way that I want to be coached to give me a chance to go to the NBA. And I mean, look, the other thing is, is like, you know, all these guys are going to work together. I mean, you, I, I think that these fans were expecting that Carolina was going to hire somebody that was basically going to be the guy that was going to put his hand up Hubert's back and be the puppet master. That they, uh, you have to trust that Hubert Davis is the right guy. There are some things that Hubert Davis is going to have to do by himself to prove he's the head coach. You've got guys that can help you. I mean, Jeff Lebo's had coaching experience. Pat Sullivan's had a lot of coaching experience as well. And you got Brad Frederick still on, uh, still still on the uh, the staff, who's been coaching for a while now. And Sean May has been there for a few years. So you got some crutches to lean on. But ultimately, I, I mean, look, this is a solid staff. Is this a superstar staff? No, but here's my, the it other, doesn't have to be. Who is who are these proven entities that fit? what we heard from Hubert Davis that you think are better fits than the guys that are here right now. Because I'm here to tell you, if you think that Jeff McGinnis is is automatically going to come in there and be a superstar, look, Jeff McGinnis is doing great stuff around here in terms of coaching Combine Academy, which is one of the up-and-coming national, um, what do they classify, prep schools in the country in terms of basketball. He's doing a great job on the AAU circuit. Moving up and coaching in college basketball it, it's 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 a step up. There is so it, it's going to take some growth. Well, I think the thing is, is that you don't have to have superstar. Um, you you know you you don't have to have an all star staff at Carolina. You should have basketball people. What he has around him are proven people that know the game of basketball, and he's got a Carolina can sell itself on the recruiting trail. You've got you know you've got Hubert Davis who's a great recruiter. You've got Sean May who's a great recruiter. Pat Sullivan, his NBA experience will be proven on the recruiting trail as well. But this isn't like you know like this wasn't. It's not as important as when Mac Brown got hired, that Mac Brown had to give himself a great staff to give Carolina a chance. Hubert Davis doesn't have a great staff. Carolina will still be good, even if they don't have the best coaching staff in the ACC, because he's got enough, there's there's still going to be enough talent, and he's got people that know the game, that will coach the game to these kids. Well, the other thing is, college basketball, you can have a rather lackluster staff or a relatively unknown staff. But if you've got the right head coach, your team can be extremely successful. In college football, there are so many different elements to the game. Like, look, Mac Brown can't coach every element of college football. There's just too much going on. So you have to have guys below you. You have to hire the right guys that you can delegate to. And I think that's that's why that's a little bit of an unfair comparison. You know, we said, look, putting a good staff around you that can support you in the way that Mac Brown did is important. But this is a good staff. What here's here's a here's a great way to phrase this question. If you if you added Pat Sullivan to Roy Williams' staff last year, wh- who would you rank ahead of him as a better assistant? 
probably Steve Robinson, and that might be it. Maybe Huber, but I think it'd be pretty close. I mean, that's a good hire. Jeff Lebo has experience. I don't know. He would probably be right around where Brad Frederick is, but the that's my thing. It's not like they are hiring random unknown guys that are, you know, first-time coaches or whatever. They are hiring guys that have been in coaching for a while. Granted, they may not have gotten it done to the standards at which some of these people believe they should have gotten it done, but these guys have been around in this in in the coaching game for a reason. Jeff Lebo may not have taken a team to the NCAA tournament. Hey, how many years did he coach for? It it was what? Almost 20 years. There's a reason he kept getting jobs. He doesn't suck. Let's let's just I mean, come on, man. Like this this topic is driving me nuts with this where whenever we hire a guy who I mean, when I first saw the reports, we were excited about and you see these people on social media that just keep pu- pushing and poking at anything that they can get after about the history of these guys. And eventually, you're, I mean, you come up feeling like, you know, well, geez, they just took all the fun out of any of these hires. Well, and I, I mean, it's, un- it's unbelievable. The thing I've stressed the most is that he surrounded himself with guys who have experience. Your, most, your, your least experienced staff member is Jackie Manuel, and he's got over 10-plus years of experience. Or no, it, it's it's actually Sean May. but it, it's Pathetic. But Sean May has – I mean, he is – Pathetic. You he know, doesn't have 40 years of coaching experience? Loser. You know, you, That's don't get, what I get. you don't get promoted by Roy Williams unless you're really good at what you're being asked to That's do. That's what I'm saying. I mean, come on, man. So, more on Roy Williams. Hubert Davis, in his two interviews he did this past week where we gave, gave out a lot of news for Carolina – touched on the, the, the topic of how we became the next head coach and really dove into Roy Williams' retirement. Look, there was a lot of reports after the retirement of Roy Williams that this had been a discussion for the last three years, and none of us, and myself included, we refused to believe that. He confirmed that was actually true. And that was something that after 2019, he said when they would go alone recruiting, it was pretty much – him gauging his interest in the job and saying, like, look, I'm getting close to retiring. I'm getting tired. I want to spend more time with my family. You know, would you be interested in becoming the next head coach? And, and Hubert Davis said, you know, when the time was right, I, you know, I told him, I want to be a head coach, but I want to be the head coach here. And, you know, we always thought for Wes Miller and for even any of the guys on his staff, Gerard Haas, for them to be one day become the head coach here, well, you got to leave and go prove yourself somewhere else. But that proven that, that was proven to not be true. Um, and I really thought that was interesting that, I mean, because you thought back in 2019, you just went to the Sweet 16, you won your most regular season ACC games in program history, you swept Duke in the regular season, you had the number one basket, the, the number one point guard recruit coming in, you thought there's no way in crap Roy's retiring because he wants to get another championship, the program was still, probably still the best program in the country, so, but, the and like, you would have, we would have thought more so in 2020, 14 and 19, your worst season ever. Then you lead, you know, so really what it proves is that a lot of people thought this was a COVID-driven decision. It was not. This has been on his mind for the last couple of seasons. Wanda, you know, wanted him to retire back in 2009. Wicked Wanda, baby. And we got 12 more years out of him. Um, And so I think, you know, that was neat. And you also said, and I mean, look, and I I was guilty as anybody. After we beat Duke on senior night, he kissed the floor 
everyone thought, well, man, is that his way of saying goodbye? And, and I firmly believe, look, he's not leaving. That was just him caught up in the moment, you know, just really thankful, really emotional. It's been a tough year on him personally as a head coach. He told Hubert Davis the next day that he was retiring. Um, and so that was just something that, you know, in those moments that, you know, I, I the next time that, you know, that you know, if Hubert Davis ever kisses, kisses the floor at Carolina, unless he's do it, unless he does it after the season opener, after uh, next season, that's probably a sign telling us that, yeah, this this guy is going to retire, and we got to find us a new head coach. But uh, Roy Williams seems to be enjoying retirement. We let off with the show with Roy Williams Day. We wish him the the well. I can't believe he's already been retired over a month. It's been it's been a crazy month since he's he's well to be. Fair, that week felt like a couple of months. Yeah. That, that was, man, that was tough. Um, sure. And so lastly, before we get here, we'll touch on recruiting because um, there's been some more news coming out on the recruiting trail. Um, Carolina has secured visits from top NC State or NC prospect Deontay Green from the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, and Justin Taylor. Both of those guys will be on campus in June, um, and Deontay Green's number one player in state North Carolina. He will be the number one prime prospect for Hubert Davis to land, and if he doesn't land him, Lord knows Carolina fans Burn will it have down. something else Burn to write down. and complain about. And the, the last two notes, he's offered two five-star players this week, Jalen Washington from Indiana, a power forward who's going to be who's already been heavily recruited by the Hoosiers and just about every major Big Ten program from up there and Chris Livingston he's from Akron Ohio his his game has been praised by LeBron James an elite wing in the next class that's the type of guy that Carolina if Carolina can bring him in that would that would be a really big recruiting win for Hubert Davis is still looking for that first time big signature recruit to commit to the Tar Heels. Can I I got to say this because I saw this right before we got on air. There was somebody that commented under the Livingston post said, "Well, he's a five-star. Do we know that this guy's not a one and done?" I mean, it, it's it's literally everything. They could win a title, and they would find something that's wrong with it. Yes, we want these kids. I mean, come on. Like, we've heard, here, here, Here's the thing. We've heard from Hubert that he wants guys that are Carolina guys. He wants guys that want to come in and, and, and build themselves in the program into NBA guys but help the program win. He's not going to take these guys if he looks at them and says to himself, they don't give me the feel of Carolina guys. Like, I just don't understand. Like, can we – we're a month in. Can we trust Hubert at all here? Like, there there seems to be no trust level in him when it comes to anything that he does. There is always somebody saying, well, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of downside to this. I don't know if this is the right move. He was hired for a reason. If Roy Williams really did not think that he was the right guy for the job – he would have said, we need to look outside the family. Yeah. I truly feel that. So let's trust what he's doing here. He's going after these guys on the recruiting trail for a reason. And yes, we do want these guys. They're going to help your front court depth. We need these guys. Well, I mean, I you know, look, everyone was was complaining about Roy Williams not getting involved in one-and-done recruiting. There might be a chance that Hubert Davis might be even more pickier with the one and dones that he recruits because, as he mentioned, if 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 you're coming to Carolina, you're you've got to be involved, and that means not just playing for the basketball program. That's doing all the stuff on campus, so where you can have a true 
call it a great college experience. I firmly believe that had they had that this year, I don't think Walker Kessler leaves your program because Carolina, it's it's different in every aspect out on on the court and off the court. No other, not not many schools in in the country can offer what Carolina can offer. You know, in terms of athletics and academics and, and the community, and so I do think the ones that he do that he does target, he does believe will they 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 fit they fit they fit what he wants as he continues to grow the program. So with that, guys, we're gonna go ahead and get out of here before we let you go. Get you guys over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where we had you covered on all the basketball news this week about the return of Armando Baycott, the last two guys that Carolina has offered, plus an article about Pat Sullivan being added to the staff, the or an article about Deontay Green's visit to Carolina, how important that is. So we've had you covered on the football Schedule, side of things. Schedule 1 as well. Schedule 1 is up, up there. It's up today. Yes, Carolina is going to be in the Mohegan Sun event next year, and they're also going to play UCLA in the CBS Sports Classic. So even though we have entered the off-season mode for Carolina or for the basketball season. We still have you covered on the football side of things. We just got done concluding the spring game. The NFL drafts just wrapped up. Anthony did a great job getting you guys covered with great articles, interviews, and podcasts. So we got you covered on the football and basketball side of things. As we mentioned a couple weeks ago, right now we're not covering baseball. Uh, we've just been too covered up with our jobs. And then, of course, all the football and basketball news. But if you want to write about Tar Heel, about the Diamond Heels, feel free to reach out to either one of us or the Heel Tough Block Facebook or Twitter page, and we'll talk to you about that opportunity. And uh, speaking of that, if you guys have seen on Facebook the – Four Corners Podcast is now doing the waveforms as well. Just really a way to drive some content. Um, you have done a great job interacting with that. But that's really for us to push, getting you to like and follow the Facebook page. Every every article, every podcast, every piece, every everything we do for the blog, you can find on Facebook. Plus, and, video podcasts may be coming yeah, back soon. We secured, we have re, we have resecured our studio to do the video podcast. You can see our ugly mugs once again talking about the Tar Heels. But way to really sell it there. Everything bud. we do gets put on the Twitter and the Facebook pages. Right. Just search. Like and follow the Heel Tough Blog dot uh, or the, or the Heel Tough Blog. And lastly, we would encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. The podcast has enjoyed great success since we became the Four Corners Podcast. Uh, thank you for all that. We want to continue to guys to rate, re- rate me, uh, rate Anthony as we're hosting. Review us. That way we can move up the message boards. People that haven't found the Four Corners Podcast can find us. But we want you guys to subscribe. That way we get every podcast right there in your podcast library. As I said, we're in the offseason. So episodes will be will be coming not as frequently. But also this is the time where we try to hit up former players. I've already got one former player secured for an interview coming up later this month. That's where you can find all of those if you subscribe. That way every podcast shows up right there in your podcast library. Well, with that, I want to thank Anthony for coming on to talk about Carolina basketball. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs>